why are companies giving out these accreditations not looking at employment tribunal judgment? Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. So, Ali, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm good, although very warm. (laughs) Super sweaty, super sweaty. (laughs) So We're glowing though, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? Like, we'll just, we'll just, we'll power through it. So fine. Get a good glow. It might be a bit sweaty, but like, it's a nice, you know, one of those, you look radiant, one of those. (laughs) The first question that I ask every single guest is, how do you refer to your disability? Oh, that's such a great question. And I'm probably going to give you the most long-winded answer. Um, Perfect. It's perfect. So for me, it's been, it's been such a journey. And I think, that has really influenced how I refer to it because I've got multiple disabilities and they've all kind of affected me in different ways. So when I was 17, I became housebound um, following a virus and I was really ill and I was diagnosed with ME and fibromyalgia. So I've had that going on for just over 11 years now. And then over the past two years, I was also diagnosed with hip dysplasia and um, impingements in my hips and I had hip surgery following that. And then at the beginning of this year, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So for me, that brought a whole load of questions about, you know, does the ME and fibromyalgia still apply? Was it always Crohn's that was just undiagnosed? At the moment, we're going with, we think that I've got everything and that those Uh diagnoses were right. But for me, I just kind of see it as an umbrella term. Go, yeah, Yeah. I've got disabilities or I'm disabled. And that kind of just leave it at that because there's so much going on. And I think that that's a really key point. And I, this is a point that I like to make quite often is that disability and like disabled as like terms or words, it is very much an umbrella term because yeah. there's so much variety within disability and being disabled because, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, is that you could have the same, and I hate to say diagnosis because I just, I'm not sure that's the correct word, but it's the best one that I can think of. Yeah, You can have the same diagnosis on a piece of paper but how you relate to it how you refer to it how it affects you is completely individual to the to the individual person it's not the same for two people and so it's always I think really important to ask someone how they refer to it because what you might refer to as your disability someone else might not and like like I said it's completely individually based on the person yeah definitely and I think as well when you've got something that's like a chronic illness yeah. Then using the term disability becomes a bit of like this awkward dance around of am yeah. I disabled or am I chronically ill? Do they mean the same thing? Are they different? Like, how do I fit into that community? And I think a big part of me accepting, no, I am disabled and that's fine. Yeah. That's what this means is just everyone on social media and how open people are and just starting those conversations. And interestingly, because I've never had this conversation around chronic illness and disability, like where where do you stand on it? And like, how did you come to the point where you're very accepting of using the terms disabled? I think for me, it was more of an access thing. Uh-huh. You know, when I, so I was 17, when I first was diagnosed, and then once I'd kind of been through that process, it was, okay, I want to go to university. Can I get additional support? Because I'm going to need it. And that was yeah. under this umbrella of disabled students allowance and, mm-hmm. you know, the disability support team. There's no chronic illness support team. And that kind of raised some questions of, okay, well, if I get disabled student support, that must mean I am disabled. 
But I think for a long time, even though I had that, I found it really hard. And I remember particularly, always that stands out to me, my mum, like, I remember I said, mum, you know, I'm because I'm disabled. And my mum was like, oh, but you're not, you're not. And I was like, why, why do you think this is a bad thing? Yeah. For me, using it, it's an identifier which allows me to get the support that I need. Like, that's yeah. only a positive thing. It doesn't change my experience or how much pain I'm in by calling myself what I am. Yeah, that's so interesting because I had quite a similar conversation with my mum and like my disability is very physical. Like you can't really miss it unless I'm wearing a jumper. And um, I remember saying to mum, like, oh, yeah, I'm disabled. And she was like, no, you're not. And I was like, no, but Elaine, I am. Like there's, there's like there's like no two ways about this. Like my hand is never going to grow back. I'm not going to find it down the back of the sofa. Like it's never going to be there. So like, let's just call a spade a spade. It is what it is. Yeah. Now let's move forward. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And it's just that thing as well as I think when we think of disability, I mean, even when you think of the disabled, like the logo, logo whatever it is. Yeah, it's someone um, who's a wheelchair user. Yeah. And that's great. But there's so many other disabilities who might not look like that or who may look like that some days. But I think we think of that and we go, oh, well, I don't fit into that. So does that yeah. mean that I'm not? I think it's only 2% of the UK's disabled community actually uses a wheelchair. So like, no wonder it's such a, like, it's such almost like it can be quite a difficult thing to accept because you don't look like the identifying image. And like, when you think only 2% of the whole disabled community in the UK, like that's not, that's not a very big percentage at all. It's like, no wonder people are like, am I, am I disabled? Like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, it just becomes this big, identity thing like for me I realized that you know through the conversations that I was having like even just look with my friends and family mm-hmm. that disabled was this like bad scary word yeah. that if oh if I say I'm disabled something's gonna change or and I realized I was like what? it doesn't change anything yeah it literally changes nothing but it gets you the support that you need gets you connected with this amazing community and it's just like as well it reclaims something in me it reclaimed this thing of, you know, I try and look at the social model of disability and it goes, yeah. society is affecting the way I live my life, but I'm still living it. But it's nice to sometimes acknowledge that there are barriers and, you know, it's not this happy, fluffy world, but we're still doing okay. And that's really interesting because I was going to go on. So how has your disability, how has it impacted like the career choices and the career paths that you then took after obviously being at uni? Yeah, so when the first few years of my illness, I'll be honest, like I was not accepting of it. And I was very much in the mentality of I'm going to push through this. Yeah. And I massively overexerted myself. I was living in this like massive boom and bust cycle. And part of that was so when I went to university, which was only a year after I was diagnosed, I was studying economics. And that, you know, it's a very fast paced world doing that. And I worked in investment banking for a year. And it was just like, I can't do this. We were, you know, even as placement students expected to be there. I had to be in by eight and I was expected to stay till eight. And I knew people that were doing 6am till 10 at night. Yeah. And it's just like, how can anyone do this? Let alone someone with an energy limiting condition. Like, yeah, it's not going to work. So I really struggled with that. And then when I came out of university, I was just like, I can't go into this career that I kind of always thought was my path. So I really looked at that. I started getting into exercise and just really giving myself time to work with my body. And when I say that, I always caveat it with, 
I was doing nothing else. So when I say, you know, I was starting to exercise, I was literally spending my life focusing on my body. So that half an hour of exercise a day was it. That was, you know, yeah. because I think sometimes when you talk about that, people then think, oh, well, how can I fit exercise? And then I'm like, if you're working, if you've got kids, if you've got anything else going on, no, (laughs) it's not the same. Um, So I started training to be a PT and then that just kind of wasn't quite the right path for me. And then I ended up sharing my story online on Instagram and kind of just fell into that for a little while. I did that for a few years, worked with some amazing brands, which was really nice. And then just before the pandemic, literally two days before the whole work uh-huh. from home, I started a job in marketing um, Yeah. for this company that was like ethical, natural oral care products. I was like, this sounds great. I was so excited. Uh, everybody's street at the minute, like ethical, moral, like it, maybe it's a B Corp. Like. It was a B Corp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> and then unfortunately with the pandemic obviously we're all working from home mm-hmm. and then my the founder of the company who was my boss my manager he didn't like that I was working from home and he kept pressuring me to go back to the workplace even though I was classed as high risk it wasn't yeah. safe there'd been no risk assessment and there was just this constant pressure every few weeks of well are you coming back and I was like no you know reminding him um, and the government advice was to, you know, work from home where possible. And then my job was advertised. Yeah, my job was advertised or a job that looked very similar to mine was advertised. Yeah. And I spoke to my manager and was like, what does this mean? What What is this? This was yeah. literally the week that I was moving into my first home. So the week that my house was completing. Um, and he was like, oh, we'll have a conversation. And essentially he said, you come back to the workplace or you're being made redundant um, because we we need a different role. There was a lot of excuses. It was a real gray area. Um, I can talk about this now because it took 18 months, but we went through an employment tribunal process and I yeah. won um, a claim of, so it's discrimination arising from disability. So it's indirect disability discrimination. So essentially the judges, like the judge and the panel found yeah. that the reason for making me redundant because it wasn't yeah. an official redundancy was because I was working from home because of my disability. I'm trying to formulate like a really um, like well thought out response that doesn't include swear words. Yeah. Because I'm like, bear in mind that we're recording this in disability pride month, right? So it's July mm-hmm. and like people are always wondering why do we need like disability pride and like, it's 2022 and I'm assuming this is only just like what this is news you've you obviously known about this for a while but like let's say 2020 was maybe when it started 2021 this was not long ago this was like like less than six months ago and people still believe that like disability like some people are a bit too loud about it and like they don't understand why we have to fight for what we fight for but this is real life and like you went through that yeah and that's and that's why I'm being open about it now and you know you say career and I'm like I'm going to talk about this because I think it's a really big thing and that's impacted what I do now like yeah now I want to just work for myself I want to work freelance because I don't want to be in that position again like it scares me the fact that you put your trust in an employer to you know they've got a duty of care and 
to then be treated so badly it was just it was a really difficult time and it really affected my confidence as well and yeah. how I felt about myself and you know my disabilities so and then that was literally just as I was being diagnosed with my hip stuff so it was literally as I was waiting for hip oh surgery as well it was the worst timing um and that was yeah the week the week that we went into the second lockdown I lost my job because I wasn't going into the office like there are there are no words to make any of that situation better. And I'm so like, thank you. Firstly, thank you so much for sharing that information because, you know, not everyone would have done. And I'm really grateful that you have, because I think like you, I think it's a really important talking point. But what I just, I can't in my brain understand is how when situations like this happen, how does anybody think it's okay? Because who who else? is being told that they either come into work or lose their job when like, as you said, like there were no risk assessments on and like it genuinely could be a detrimental in- environment for you. What other minority group is getting that? Right. Yeah. And this is not to pit minority groups against each other, not at all. Cause that's not what this is about at all. But like, this is why we need to be like screaming and shouting about disability because like it happens every single day. And like you've, does, had to, yeah. you've had to go through it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry that you had that experience, but also so grateful that you're sharing it with me on this because people need to know that this still happens today. Like, yeah, this is oh, not something that happened like 20 years ago or like 10 years ago, five years ago. This happened like what last year? Yeah. And this is the thing, like, because I recently I shared it on my Instagram, um, ironically, because I hadn't been paid. Um, that's oh, story. Stop it. <laughs> I've, I've, I've now been paid yesterday. Um, only three months late and a government penalty enforcement process later, and having to set, share it on my socials to get said payment. But thanks very there. much, guys. Cheers. <laughs> um, but I had so many messages from people, and I would say people are in one of two camps when they messaged or commented. It was either I've got a disability and I've been through something similar, I've had my yeah. own experience with this. Or I've got a disability and this is why I'm scared to talk about it. And the thing that I really keep telling people is if you are going through an employment tribunal process, a big part of it is one, proving you're disabled, which is a whole load of hoops that you shouldn't have to jump through. But two, Mm. proving that your employer knew. So as much as we think we're protecting ourselves by not talking about our disabilities in that workplace because we're worried of the reaction. If there is a negative reaction, if there is stigma, if there is discrimination, you need to prove that they were aware of your disability. Mm -hmm. So hiding it is only harming yourself and only stopping yourself from that, you know, that legal protection. Yeah. And like, like I'm just so like mind, like... uh, I am mind fucked by it. Like I am, because it's, it's, it's the reality of what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Right. But I think it's incredible that you took to social media to then, and like outing the company is maybe not the right turn of phrase, but like you, you had to make your point that actually the company that, you know, says that they're ethical and that they go, they're, they're a B Corp and, and like, you know, they're all for the people and the environment. Actually, when it came down to the wire, they, they weren't, and they weren't protecting their people. Yeah, and this is the thing, the big thing for me is then how do we know what companies are saying on social media is true? Like on the day that I won my claim, mm-hmm. so the day that the employment tribunal was finished, it was International Women's Day. And they they put a post up saying that 
we <laughs> sharing their commitment to making the world free from discrimination and bias. And as someone who literally won an employment tribunal against them that day, that was like a stab in the gut. It was like, oh, okay, what do you think this is? But it just brings that thing up of brands can say anything on social <laughs> media. And even, you know, being a B Corp, I've now had conversations with B Corp since because they got their accreditation after my judgment was posted publicly on the gov website so why are companies giving out these accreditations not looking at employment tribunal judgments not looking at you know the standards the behavior of a company it's blown my mind and it's opened up so many more questions to me and it's something that I definitely want to explore further but yeah (laughs) I can imagine and like like I said, like thank you so much for sharing that because I don't think it's like it might not necessarily be like the easiest thing to talk about. But as you say, like if you're helping one person with that piece of information, then like you're kind of you've done your job out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like not that you have like a job to do, but you're sharing your story, which is incredible. And like who knows who it's going to help and impact. So like I said, like thank you for sh- for sharing that because I think it is so important. But during that time, and like I'm obviously completely assuming here is that that probably wasn't the easiest time. And as you said, like it really, you know, you were getting diagnosed with things with your hips. You had other diagnoses coming up. It, we're going in a second lockdown. I always think that during hard times, even though we might not be able to see it during the time, we can come up or we can find a positive attribute within ourselves. And I was wondering, do you think you found your positive attribute during hardship? Yeah, I think that a lot. And I think, you know, I'm 28 now, so I've been disabled for 11 years although if you look at the hip stuff potentially all my life as it's yeah. something you know I would have had since birth just didn't realize it yeah. um and I think it is those hard times where you find that place in yourself of not giving up and that's not to say that I haven't had moments like I think you know everyone has those moments where you think I can't do this another day you know yeah. I can't keep picking myself up but for me especially with that with this stuff with the employment tribunal it was that thing of if I don't speak up about this mm-hmm. what is going to change like yes my situation won't change I've lost my job I need to find something else I need to find something that works yeah but what if there's someone else that comes in that is disabled how are they going to be treated if I don't stand up yeah and it's just that bigger picture perspective I think that makes you think okay this isn't about me anymore and I find within myself that when I'm thinking about other people, I can motivate myself a bit more to go yeah. through the hard things. Yeah. I like to say that it's never about the me and it's always about the we. Because it's, um, it's, it's a much like you can really reframe, like you can reframe anything through that really if, if you like look hard enough. But I always think it's so interesting and especially sometimes as, as disabled people, disabled women, disabled men as well, like, like any disabled body I feel like we can be very critical on ourselves because we have society that judges us and then ourselves and then we like mingle it all together so finding a positive attributes in ourselves can be quite difficult but like when you look at it we actually have so many things that that we can do that a lot of other people can't so for example Victoria Jenkins who's the founder of Unhidden Fashion she said that naturally people who are disabled are very good problem solvers and I was like oh my god I was like I'm a really good problem solver and I'd never put two and two together until she said it and that's why I always ask because I because I think 
everyone answers this question and brings out something and like another little trait. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Like, that's so true. So like, it's incredible that you're able to do that as well, that you're able to look at the bigger picture and realize that actually this mad journey that we're all on is, is never really about the self. It's about everyone else and what you can bring to the table. Yeah, exactly. And even just you saying that, I'm like, I'm a planner and I'm really good at planning. And it's probably because I have to plan my time yeah. so carefully. Like I'm never late because my time is so valuable. Yeah. And I turn up early to everything. Um, <laughs> Can confirm you turned up early to the podcast recording. <laughs> I was sitting here waiting as well before I locked on. I was like, oh, I can't get on too early. I love that so much. But I'm such a planner and like everyone in my life, if something needs planned, it'll come to me. And that's just because you get so used to having a million things to think about with a disability, yeah. whether it's medication, appointments, everything like that in your brain. And you somehow just function with this additional part. So whenever anything yeah. needs planned, I'm like, yeah, I can squeeze that in somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Let me find five minutes on Tuesday the 17th. <laughs> exactly. And the amount of to-do lists that I've got, I'm just checking them off. Oh, see that I love that type of organization. I wish I was really, really organized. I'm just not. I'm a bit like controlled chaos. I think that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that control chaos as well that's, that's what my life is like a little bit messy but a little bit hot like it's all fun <laughs> yeah I'm definitely like type a I will, I will plan very everything. organized <laughs> yeah I'm getting married in two weeks it's all planned <laughs> oh I love that oh that's so exciting are you excited obviously you're excited that's a stupid question I'm very excited yeah have you got like everything you've obviously I was about to say, have you got everything planned? And then I'm like, we've literally just had a conversation about how you're planning. So you absolutely do have everything planned. See, when it comes yeah. to me, I think when the day comes that I eventually get married, if I ever get married, I'll be like two hours before and I'll be like, oh, like, I think I've forgotten to do this. It's probably quite like a key, like key important part. Like where are the rings? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've already got lists of everything that needs to be brought to the venue, organized by category. <laughs> I love that so much. Maybe your next thing should be going into planning. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Imagine how good that would be. Like an act, like a real, like, a, you know, like a good planner as well. Cause when you yeah. find that perfect planner, you're like, Oh, like I already feel more organized. Cause I bought this. <laughs> yeah. I'm one, I'm one of those people that I like the pens with like the four different colors on because that oh, makes yeah. me feel really good. Yeah, I love a good big four-way biro and you have to have both of them as well. So you have to have the one that's like the blue, black, red and green. And then you also have to have the pink, purple, light blue and light green. Oh, one. yeah. 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 I literally like that's how I did any uni revision was using my pink pen. And also yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. The thickness of it just really does something for my joints. I find it so much nicer on my hands. Really? Yeah. I, I love I love the thickness of it. That's really interesting because I find really skinny pens really hard to write with. And I'm like, oh, my finger joints really don't like that. Mm. Listen, li people are going to learn so much from this today. Loads about employment <laughs> tribunal, things about pens, things about planning. Like, you should never know what you're going to get. By Bic. You should be like, hey, <laughs> increase of sales of the four color pens. Yeah. The disabled community really love them. <laughs> so, interestingly, after everything that you've gone through, and, and it is quite a lot. And, like I said, like, thank you for sharing that with me. And also with your disability diagnosis because actually you know you like you said you were 17 when you first really got diagnosed with anything do you have a piece of advice for either your younger self or a younger person with similar disabilities to you yeah 
I'd say there's a few pieces of advice. The first thing that I give is always like the importance of rest. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone needs to accept that, like outside of the disabled community, because rest yeah. is so important and we really overlook it. I think there's this massive like hustle culture, especially through the pandemic of, you know, people yeah. getting second jobs and alternative incomes and all of that. And that's all great. But also rest and look after yourself because that's really important too. Yeah. And I think as well that helps like any make anything more sustainable. And then I would also say just really tap into that community. I mean, if they're listening to this, they're already doing something right. But I found that just speaking to other people who really got it made yeah. such a difference. Um, you know, you can speak to people who have empathy but they won't understand just the complexity of it and of yeah. always having it in the back of your head that you have to think about these things. So speaking to people who have similar experiences really does make a difference. And I would definitely champion that as well because I have friends that I've made through this podcast that understand things that never in a million years my able-bodied friends ever understand and it's not for them want of being like ignorant it's not for them want to trying it's just they won't understand because it's not their experience it's not their reality and actually I've made some of the best friends that I've got through like through doing this because actually there are certain things that I never have to explain and they're like oh yeah I get you like how's it going like yeah you will understand there's so many nuances that you don't have to explain amongst your community which is a lovely lovely place to be yeah definitely I, I think that as well and I just think as much as it can feel so isolating and it really does at times yeah having those people will help that even if it's just you know being able to message someone and say I'm having a bad day can you send me a cute picture of a dog like <laughs> yeah. that's what you need yeah. it's so true <laughs> so interestingly I have one, well, I have a set of questions really that tend to quite annoy me or I just find a bit intrusive when people ask me about my disability and it tends to be, did a shark bite your arm off or alternatively, like what happened or how did it happen? And I was wondering, do you have any sets of questions that you find like a little bit too much from from other people? Yeah, for me, the thing was, I don't so much use them now, but a few years back, I was using um, mobility aids a lot. So I was using a walking stick yeah. quite often when I went out. And what I noticed, and I don't know if it's something about being a young woman or like appearing, quote unquote, you know, able-bodied. Yeah. But people always assumed that it was a temporary thing, that it was an injury, which uh -huh. I found really interesting because it's a walking stick, not crutches. But often I would be asked, oh, what have you hurt? What have you done to your leg? What have you, yeah. you know, what is injured? And it was like, no, no, there's not an injury here. This is my body. Yeah. And I found that quite hard because it's just this assumption of, oh, it's temporary. So I can ask about it and we're going to have a little laugh at whatever you've done. Yeah. And I found that quite hard. And then now I think with my Crohn's, it's less of the questions, but it's more of this unsolicited advice of, what I should and shouldn't be eating or doing and things like that. And it comes from a good place, but sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah, I can imagine. Almost like, have you ever tried yoga? <laughs> Yoga's not going to help me out right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just that thing as well of as much as I'm sure out of all these things that people can suggest, there would be one that would marginally help me. But it's the cost in terms of, I mean, financial cost 
yeah. energy cost, time cost of trying all these things and the mental load of it. Sometimes you don't want to hear that if you tried a little bit harder, you could be a yeah. bit better. Like that's not helpful when you're like at your limit. Yeah. And it's and it's not helpful for anyone, like it's not helpful for anyone, period, but specifically in the disabled community like that's the almost like the worst thing that you could tell someone it's like if you tried harder you could be like an able-bodied person and you would be somewhat normal and you're like it's never going to happen Sharon like it won't ever happen so like accept it and move on (laughs) yeah oh exactly and it's just that thing of it just puts the onus on you rather than hey maybe society should be a little bit easier for you you know, maybe we should put some things in place to make the world more accessible. It's like, maybe if you tried harder. Yeah. Yeah. As if like the social model of disability didn't exist. (laughs) Interestingly, I think you shared so much on this chat and I really appreciate what you've said and and how you've said it, because I think you've done everything in such an eloquent way where you've not lambasted anyone. And, And after going through what you did, I think you could and I don't think anybody would blame you at all, but I think you've come out with such grace during this time. I really want to like, just, I really want to like applaud you for that because I think given your position, I've got quite a loud mouth. I don't know if I would have been as nice as you are. <laughs> There's been a lot of emails typed up and then deleted. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. And I've only got one last question for you. And that is, Ali, can you say that you're disabled and proud? Oh, definitely. Great. Oh, I love it when people answer that. I love it because it reaffirms that whilst disability might not be the easiest thing in the world, it's something to be so proud of. And like, I I don't know any disabled person that isn't like an absolute warrior in what they do. We're all absolute badasses. Like we're we're literally like the coolest bunch of people that I've ever met. Like just the stuff that we do like the ingenuity that we all show and the determination and the grit and also we have the sickest sense of humor ever i swear like i've never met a community with like such like dark humor but i love it like it's great we all have this just wicked sense of humor and it's just so nice and it's nice to be proud about it like yeah what what yeah i'm just saying what are you gonna do about that yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you so much for giving up your time today to come on the pod. I really, really enjoyed this chat. And like I said, I think you've navigated this with such grace. And like, I'm just, I'm actually in awe because I think you've done so well with it. And like, it must, it mustn't have been easy, but actually you're sharing your story and it's going to help so many other people. And like, that's, that's like a beautiful thing at the end of the day. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that's the big thing. And that's why I want to share it. It's not, you know, when I shared it on my socials, it wasn't like, oh, guys, help me get the money. It was, I want everyone to know that I've been through this. So if you're yeah. going through something similar, like, it's okay, because you so much, you internalize it and you think it's a me problem. It's not a you problem. Like, it's a them problem. Yeah. And you're not alone. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I've absolutely loved this. And um, yeah, I look forward to chatting to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.